Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jared McGreer. This week's guest is Clifford Goldsmith, my podcast buddy from the Dark Insight podcast. Me and Clifford talk about his entire history from the Soul series, where he started with Bloodborne and moved backwards. And even if you do listen to Dark Insight and know some of the stuff, I think you'll still enjoy the conversation. We talk about kind of a variety of things as well. All in all, it was really fun, and I think you'll enjoy the episode. Remember, if you want to come on, send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Cliff, uh, it's unusual talking to you since we don't we definitely don't do a podcast together or anything. No, not so. <laughs> uh, and we definitely like don't spend a lot of time talking about Dark Souls or Bloodborne or Demon Souls on that podcast. <laughs> um, why don't you tell me what the first Souls game that you played is? Well, it, this is mainly for the people that don't listen to obviously the podcast because this story's been told a few times on that podcast. But my first one was Bloodborne. Uh, yeah, I came into the series extremely late, extremely, extremely late. Um, yeah, and pretty much from there on out, I've just been hammering backwards through the series, and I finally have reached the end of that now. Finally, what hit was the end uh, of target. what kind of games were you playing at the time? Around the time before you started playing Bloodborne, like what was your what was your go to kind of games? Uh, well, I, at the time I, I was, I was a PC master race, son of a bitch. <laughs> so I, I had the PS3, but I also had a serious gaming PC. So I was playing a hell of a lot of, uh, Battlefield 3 at the time and then Battlefield 4. Uh, a lot of Final Fantasy games. I was, re- I used to replay a lot of Final Fantasy 10, 7, 8, 9, seriously into them and Zelda. Like I replayed Zelda games a lot. I wasn't really playing new games, to be to be honest. I was playing a lot of the older stuff because, I don't know, I was just, at the time, I didn't have a lot of money. So I was just replaying all my old catalogs. So it wasn't, wasn't really something that was even on my radar, to be honest. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't know. It's what, brought me into the game bloodborne bought i think bloodborne bought me in because of the sheer aesthetic of it mm-hmm. more than anything because I, I i i'd heard of demon souls plenty of times because obviously i was quite into the rpg style thing obviously via zelda final fantasy mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. but obviously i'd heard of that difficulty spike that everyone likes to talk about it's super hard da, da, da. and if anyone knows me oh, most people that know me on twitter know i have a bit of a, a, a rage <laughs> issue when it comes to video games but it's become uh, quite an amusement to some people now people have said to me they look forward to new me playing new soul stuff because my twitter becomes a a barrage of amusing tweets. <laughs> you definitely know how to lay out the abuse on video games. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one of the reasons why I kind of avoided Demon Souls because I'd seen it. And I was like, oh, that looks really cool, but I'd heard it was so difficult. And I thought that I'm just going to end up throwing a controller out my window. So I thought I best stay away from it. 
if it's as hard as everyone makes it out to be. And that was that. Long came Bloodborne. I saw it. I was like, ah, the aesthetic is absolutely stunning. Love gothic horror. Absolutely love. Well, I love horror in general. Horror is my thing. That is, yeah, love, love horror. But I've grown up a bit since then. So I, I have a a better curb on my my rage when it comes to video games. So, yeah, I just thought, screw it, let's give it a go. It seems more up my alley, more than even Demon Souls that I'd seen, because obviously that's your more fantasy style, and this, this was your horror. So I was like, screw it, why not? <laughs> what love, was, it, what was it like jumping into that game? Because uh, mm. it was... It's such a departure, like coming from the Souls games, like it wasn't a real big departure for me to jump in there and kind of figure out like, okay, like this is a little different, but not dramatically different from what I'm used to. But I would imagine coming from like a JRPG or a Zelda background, like playing something like Bloodborne is such an increase in, in difficulty and complication of controls. Like, did you have a lot of trouble with that or did you kind of just pick it up? No. <laughs> That's no trouble straight- at all? Right. <laughs> No, no, no. The opposite. I did not pick it up at all. <laughs> that, that, that initial. Because no, no. The obviously where it was the first one I played. I wasn't on Twitter at the time, so there's no record of that ever happening. But <laughs> well, that's to, too bad. To, I know it's a damn shame. But no, I got. I when I jumped into Bloodborne, I'd watched um, Varty basically did a Bloodborne for beginners guide thing, and it basically kind of. Talk, I don't remember whether you saw that video, but it basically showed you sort of about how the trick weapons work and blood vials. And it is pretty much a good rundown of the mechanics of the game and sort of how to get uh, parries and things like that. So I'd, I'd seen this video and I was like, okay, uh, I'll give that a go. Got in, came out obviously through, through got killed straight away within 30 seconds by the werewolf. I was like, are you fucking kidding me with this game? Seriously, 30 seconds. My wife next to me was absolutely wetting herself laughing. She was like, you're going to have fun with that. Um, Moved through and I got through to the main, it's like the main courtyard area and they're like where they're burning the werewolf and there's like a loads of townspeople just sort of hovering around the fire. And there's probably what, a good 15 dudes out there, something like that. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a crowd. <laughs> there's yeah, a gathering there's a of dudes. <laughs> I probably spent the next two, maybe three nights trying to get past that central town square. It it was bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And I was so close to bouncing off and not coming back. And I was like, I'm not giving up. I was like, I'm not doing it. And slowly but surely, as time went on, I started pushing further and further and further. And then I, I, I managed to obviously clear that out and then move through, encountered Mr. Brick Troll. And I didn't really have a problem with him. Then all of a sudden, I'd realized that the combat had clicked. And I, I then went, I was like, okay, let's, let's run a new character. So I run a new character through that area. First go, no problem. Yeah, so it took me sort of two or three nights, but then it did finally click with me. And any Souls player knows this. When you play these games and you're struggling with them when you first jump in and you finally get that click, it is such a good feeling. 
it's so satisfying to finally gel with the game. I mean, I've never fully 100% gelled with the game because I, I don't claim to be a master at this game. I'm far from it. But I'm not too bad at Blood Ball now. I'm pretty... Yeah, I, I can go for hours without dying now, whereas before I was dying every five, ten minutes. It was, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, like, was it just the horror aesthetic that was kind of driving you on? Because uh, I, I know that you have a tendency to, like, get mad at video games, but, um, you know, Souls has that special kind of frustration of, like, thinking that, of making you feel you're bad at video games because you have to unlearn so many bad habits. And if like playing in an action RPG before the souls was like spamming buttons, basically like, right. Like it was like you were playing mm. um, Chun-Li in street fighter. You're just hitting the buttons as fast as possible. But once you like souls kind of expects you to have a little bit more of a, of a strategic approach and a more considered approach, even bloodborne, which is quite a bit faster than the other games, like still wants you to kind of think about your stuff. Like, what do you think kept you your drive through there to keep going for two days on the same encounter before you finally clicked with it? It, it, it was, it, it was purely the aesthetic. It, it, it grabbed me. Like it was me, that game, the way it looks, the way it feels, it, it, it was my, it felt like my soul was kind of on the, the, the screen so I, I didn't want to let this game go because I just, I really, really gelled with what it was and how it was presenting itself. It it just, uh, it, it, especially where you had the dreams and the nightmares and stuff, it, it kind of felt like I was getting a gothic horror mixed with Hellraiser. And I was just like, oh, this is, I can't <laughs> let this go. There's got to be something I'm doing wrong. I've got to. I said it can't be impossible because loads of people are playing these games and completing them. So it's not impossible. But the thing was, as you just said, it was the, it was the issue coming from sort of action RPGs, just wanting to spam the attacks. That, that was the main learning curve for me, was learning to manage only sort of popping a couple of hits, ducking away, getting my stamina back, and then coming back in for some more hits and just managing your attack patterns rather than just j- j- R1, 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 which I was doing at first, run out of stamina, two hits, then I'm dead. So it's, it is, uh, yeah, but f- just uh, the aesthetic of that game. <laughs> I, I, honestly, like it's, it's really hard for me to get the words out how like much this game drew me in, like the, the way it looked, because everyone knows that obviously I out and out think that, Bloodborne is one is the best Souls game. I personally think it's that's that's my view. I love it, and I've I've played through all of them now, and this game still talks to me more than all of the others because because of the horror aspect. What um besides that initial first encounter where there's like a bunch of dudes, was there any other like really incredibly frustrating and difficult? either boss encounter or set piece or what have you, or a particular level that you struggled with throughout the, the main game? Throughout the main game, it had to be the uh, the, lo- the lovely friend of mine, good old Ibritus. That fucking <laughs> <my laughs> boss. Uh, I think people were starting to appear, like, because I had my Twitter by then, and I think people were starting to appear when I was going through the stage of fighting Ibritus, actually. <laughs> I think that was that was quite funny, trying to 
Oh man, I think I spent. Mm, I can't even think now. It was it, it was a good run of about four or five nights on the trot trying to beat that one individual boss, and it was a pain in the ass at the time as well because we only had x amount of uh when the game first came out we could only hold x amount of blood vials in in the bank it was like what i think it was like 99 and that was it really you, you do a few runs of 20 you're out in five goes and i didn't think of save spamming it like you did because that's quite <laughs> a clever little ingenious thing but i didn't think of doing that because obviously i'd never played it before so i was having uh, i was running out of vials and i was going back to oh uh back to yarnum and doing like there's a run you can do past the two brick trolls back up and round and you get like 20 blood vials so i was having to do that every time before i was having a blast at ibritus so it was just making the whole process really laborious and like that that was driving me insane the whole trying to get blood vials thing that was that was a slog and a half but that boss my word yeah what a um, (laughs) just what a positive fuckhead that boss is (laughs) it's just (laughs) the um there, and the boys over at Bonfires I chat talked about it a lot when they covered him. I covered her. Um, you know the the double hit hitbox that you would get from her charge, which would almost oh. ensure that it was you know a, quote unquote a one hit kill, but like it mm. automatically hits you twice for the same exact amount of damage. Which is it was one of the few times that I felt like the game was being totally unfair. Um, I do think, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this too. Um, I think. Bloodborne, more so than any of the other Souls games, has moments of just kind of out-and-out unfairness. Most of my complaints center around, like, the HP pool that uh, enemies have. Like, especially some of the, like, once you get to the Chalice dungeons and, and things like that. But even a is has probably too much HP and things like that. Cleric Beast, not Cleric Beast, uh, Vicar Amelia is another, like, early game boss that I think just has an astronomical amount of HP considering what you can do for your, you know, your damage output at that point. Mm. Um, what I'm curious about, like, did you think, like, as you moved backwards through the series, uh, that the games got more fair or less fair as time went on? Was it compared to your first one of Bloodborne? I thought the games got harder, personally. Really? As I went backwards. Hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, Pat, Paddy from Twin Humanities can, uh, can talk, talk to you about this. But when, when I, when I moved back onto Scholar of the First Sim, I basically got utterly stuck at uh, Hyde's Tower of Flame. I just kept getting stomped there by the big dudes and the, uh, is it the Hyde Knights? The ones that sit down and don't mm-hmm. really bother you until a certain point. And then obviously you had the, the dragon and that place. I was I was talking to Paddy. I was just like, what is this bullshit? Why am I dying? <laughs> so like, she's like, but you've done Bloodborne. Bloodborne's harder. What's going on? I was like, oh, this fucking what? This game's shit. I hate this game. Fuck it. Ugh, shit, shit, shit. And I gave up on it. And I, I went away for a couple of weeks before I came back and played it. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, like I don't find the HP pools in Bloodborne to be too bad. To be perfectly honest, the only time that really I sort of really came into thinking it was a bit sort of that's really really lent one way was when you get deeper into those chalice dungeons, that's when it does start getting a bit crazy when you, especially when you've got like the defy, is it like defiled ones where you've got like half health and stuff and they've got like triple health. Yeah. Yeah. Which are almost very specifically like a challenge mode situation at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But by that, I mean, cause I'd never experienced anything like it. I just thought that was how the game was. I was like, okay, 
this is why everyone says it's so tough. They've got loads of HP. I've got very little. This is how it is. I've just got to get through it. But obviously, looking back now, they, they, I see, I can see your point about obviously they are a lot. Some of the characters are completely overweighted to the amount they have compared to what you have. Whereas in like your Dark Souls, Dark Souls one, I found to be the most fairest out of all of them. To be honest, I would. I would definitely agree with that. Like the way that they structured the <clears throat> distance between bonfires, assuming that you would always have, you know, either five or 10 Estus, depending on how much you would kindle each bonfire, mm. I think really made that game like work for me. Like in unlike Bloodborne and like your complaint about the blood vials, um, you know, every time you died, you started over with like basically fresh kit. Like yeah. you could repair your stuff. You, you had your full healing, you know, you had all of your healing supplies that you needed, and then you were you could go through the same process again. Something like Bloodborne, where you would die four or five times, and then like, okay, I'm out of healing items, so there's no way I can do this. Like it took taking that away, I think was was kind of a mistake. Um, I've said it before. I would really like to see Bloodborne with a not giving you twenty vials, but just automatically respawn you with ten. Like if you're out, you know what I'm saying. Like if, just so you don't have to grind. Um, but, totally agree. But the but the, the they really fine tuned the difficulty of Dark Souls one in between those bonfires. Like I remember finding them and being just incredibly relieved. The biggest example is always like in Orlando right after the archers. Like finding mm. that bonfire is one of the most like <laughs> is one of like <laughs> oh thank god. <laughs> and it's always like that's always the biggest one. Um, did you have anything like that in Dark Souls one where you like you finally found something and you're like Jesus Christ and now I never have to do that again and I'm so happy about it. Well, with that, like the, the the biggest thing in Dark Souls one that kind of it's sort of like that. It wasn't finding something going. Oh, it was realizing that I'd fucking gone the wrong way, <laughs> and I I didn't do the typical. Like, uh, yeah, it was just uh, instead of heading, I think it was. I'm just trying to think. Instead of heading into the grave graveyard, most people tend to head up down that way, didn't they? And mm-hmm. into sort of down that way. I ended up going down into New Londo. Yes. It was my second area. So you had the ghost down there with nothing to kill them really. And it's just like, what the fuck is this shit? Why, why can I not kill them? They go, well, I'm dead. That's really funny to me because I didn't even, uh, I never clocked that there was a stairwell going down to New Londo until like 80 hours into the game. Like just totally missed it until like I actually can't think when I finally came up it from uh, Blight Town. So maybe not 80 hours, mm. maybe like 40 hours or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> I just never didn't even know you could go down. That must have been a nightmare to go down there and be like, Howard, I can't hurt these enemies. What am I supposed to do? Yep. Because the thing was, I. Because if you, like, yeah, when you're at the bonfire, you're supposed to turn around and go up that way, aren't you? There's, like, mm-hmm. a hill. I hadn't noticed the hill at all. Like, I didn't even see it. So I was just like, where the am I supposed to go? I can't get through the graveyard with the fucking skeletons. I can't get through the ghosts. What the actual fuck am I supposed to do? And I was just literally banging my head against the wall, going back and forth. I'm like, where am I supposed to fucking go? Where am I supposed to go? And then... Turn around. Hold on. Oh, there's a fucking hill there. Go up the hill. Oh, that's where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> Literally, after probably a couple of days of, of doing this back and forth, trying to figure something out. 
And yeah, that was that. They're finally finding that hill out. And to the actual start of the game was, oh, that was satisfying. That was like, aha, right, okay. I went the wrong fucking way. Now we're making some progress. And then I started obviously pushing through. And yeah, that that was real satisfying. Yeah. When, um, because... I want to get into a little bit of history of the dark insight mm. podcast since um, it's number one, shameless self-promotion. And I think it'd be a good idea <laughs> to kind of get through like your kind of mental state as you're moving through the games. I met you what I thought was around the time bloodborne came out, but maybe now I'm thinking that maybe it was later than that. Um, you had been kind of chit chatting with the twin humanities guys and sending in some letters mm. to them. And um, I had started listening to that podcast on a regular basis. I'd been kind of doing it like just here and there before. And you released like a 30 minute podcast of basically saying like, I'm just going to talk into this mic and about my thoughts. <laughs> and, uh, what was, was that during Bloodborne or was that when you had moved to Scholar or when, when exactly was that? Oh, now you're, now you're, now you're asking me a question. Jeez. Um, when was that? Was that bef- after or before? I think, I think I was still playing Bloodborne at the time when I did that, that, sort of fault <laughs> faults on paper job yeah it's mm-hmm. yeah it was during during bloodborne because i was obviously talking to the twin humanity boys and obviously listening to their podcast and i was like i really would like to do something like that like sort of just get down and and, and talk about this game because it's it's fucking awesome and that's when i basically just sat down with me and a mic for 30 minutes just explaining why i loved bloodborne so much <laughs> and yeah I, I think it's really hard because i because i it was so fresh and so new those those words just fell out of me like without even thinking about them and now going back and sometimes i, I do listen to it and i'm like wow i don't even remember sort of saying half of those things it it was a spare of the moment recalled i just put a little mic in front of me and i just talked 30 minutes <laughs> and I, I, to be honest, I don't think I could even spurt that kind of <laughs> words now because I'm people know me. I'm not very good at stringing sentences together. My brain fires too quick for my my mouth. Sometimes I start and but that those thirty minutes. If you listen to those thirty minutes to how I talk now, that thirty minutes is just clean, just no no staggering, no stuttering. It's just me. That's how much that game affected me at the time I had it just such a clear mind on how I, I felt about that game. As you were uh, moving back through the series, uh, mm. did, and with the exception of Bloodborne, which I, I'm not going to necessarily think is your favorite, but I'm pretty sure is your favorite out of the ones out of all of them. Um, did like playing scholar and then going to one. And then I think you did demons later. Um, mm. Like, what was the what was it like going through like because they, they, they the series gets like less and less um like the interfaces are clunkier the older you go and like the ui gets a little weirder was it difficult to adjust to that or did the like basic gameplay just pull you straight through all of the kind of cruftiness of those older games yeah i mean moving from bloodborne back to dark souls 2 was quite difficult because the play styles I feel are very, you can go into Dark Souls with a Bloodborne play, play style, but it can get quite difficult in certain areas if you're running that kind of play style. And 
adjusting to the difference in play between Bloodborne and Dark Souls was very, it, it was quite hard for me. It took its time. But once I got used to sort of realizing how Dark Souls worked, the, the gameplay just pulled me through. And I, to be honest, I didn't even really notice sort of mechanics and systems that were that different, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know, I just, I think I was so lost in those worlds playing them that I didn't, it didn't even really cross my mind, to be honest. Okay, so you weren't even thinking about it at the time, which that's, that's no. a, I think that's a testament of the series, right? Like that, that yeah. seems like if you make something with the gameplay that good that you can kind of ignore, like, I mean, like looking at Dark Souls 1 now where you can only see four inventory items at one time. <laughs> like it's like, how how was this even possible? But it's, you know, it's just <laughs> because it was five years ago and we've changed that much since then. Do you know what? I don't, I'm trying to think now. You said that, like being able to see four infantry items. I'm trying to put a picture in my head. That's how much, like, I, sometimes I don't pay attention to these sorts of things. I'm just like, <laughs> really? You can only see four infantry items. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I, really yeah. Funny. I'm the same, though. A lot of people, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I am. Like, like same thing went with a lot. Like a lot of people say, like No Man's Sky about how bad the UI was in that. I didn't even really notice. I was just like, the only thing I didn't like was having to hold the button for too long. <laughs> yeah, I there were some, and I think we don't have to get off on a No Man's Sky tangent, but like, uh, yeah. <laughs> there was some, there, there was some, there were some weaknesses to that UI. That my, my the one notable thing is when you go up to an alien and uh, or go up to like any kind of interactable object and uh, like a save point in the world and you like hold the square button for like 87 seconds or whatever to save it. <laughs> and then um, as you're saving it, I like the, what No Man's Sky does is like pull the camera up and give you like a scenic view and like tell you a bunch of stuff about it. But the thing that happened to me is I, I got on this planet. I found a save point. I went up to save and I didn't realize that the, uh, the little robot drones were hostile. So as soon as I hit save, a robot drone shows up and just starts like shooting me. And I literally can't do anything because I'm in the, uh, like, <laughs> here's the pretty skyline animation. <laughs> like it was really oh, frustrating. She is. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, no. Yeah. That's my fault. Uh, see, it's me. It must be me that, that, that sorts out the tangents on the dark inside because I'm terrible for tangents. I'm not me. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty. I, I've always been pretty oblivious to UI stuff. I think I, I think I, for me, I, I've said this a million times. I'm one of these crazy people that if a game has great atmosphere and story that draws me in, the game could be a play like a steaming pile of dog turd, and I wouldn't notice. I honestly wouldn't. Um, crazy. <laughs> kind of jumping around just a little bit. I know you've got a history in music production. You went to school for, mm. for sound production and things like that. And the yeah. soundtrack to a lot of the Souls games are are, are pretty. I, I think it's, I'm, I'm I'm really torn on the soundtracks. Let me say that because there's some things that I, I really really like about them. I think some things that they're very very. I don't want to say bad because that, that's a little too negative of a connotation I want to make, but it's a little bit too over the top for what you're doing in some cases. Where, where, where are you at? Like, do you have a particular favorite game for the soundtrack or do you have a particular favorite song that you kind of like, or is there anything from your experience with music production that kind of interests you about the music of the souls games? Well, I, I, for me, the, the soundtracks are, extremely well put together pieces of music just because I, I I have all the soundtracks on, on my, my iPod and I do listen to them quite often because they are very well structured pieces of music. 
But the only thing I'd say is that I, it's one of my gripes with most modern games, to be honest, is a lot of soundtracks now are becoming very just orchestral pieces rather than game soundtracks. Like if you think of Zelda, you, you instantly have a track that springs to mind and you can hum, you can hum the, the, the sort of... You know, it instantly just comes straight to your head because that is a piece of music that you can attach to that game. And a lot of the modern games, because they're just orchestral soundtracks, you don't really get that. But there is one game in the series that does that, and it was Demon's Souls, because it still was in that kind of crossover period and it still had gamey music. And there are a lot of the, the tracks that you can remember and you you can hear them in your head quite distinctively and uh, dark souls dark souls one there's obviously one track that everyone is can remember to piece it and it's gwyn's gwyn's music Mm -hmm. and that that music has stuck with me since i first heard it and when i first got to that area because of just the connotations of what that that piece of music represents in this final epic battle. And you've just got this very low, subtle, depressing piano, which kind of represents this dark, this sort of broken, sort of broken man who's, who was this once great King. And now he's just like burnt out and dying. Uh, That piece of music for me is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Well, what do you think about, uh, because Dark Souls three, like for all of its faults, I think it's a it's a pretty excellent game overall. But one mm. of the things that keeps getting brought up about the game that I personally can't stand. In fact, I'm on record on this podcast probably about like eighty different every different episodes on this point uh, saying that I hate it so much. But when uh, during the final boss, when they when he changes into like his second form or whatever, and he gets a second health bar, you start hearing that original, very slow, like dun, dun, dun melody mixed yeah. in with this bombastic choral thing. And I really, I felt like personally, I, I didn't really like it. Like I felt like it was, it was taking something away from the original tune while trying to give the player like that sense of like, Hey, you remember this? But um, I also really, really like Gwen's tune. As someone that like really likes that song as well, were you into the way that Dark Souls Three treated it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this has At been all, Don't Give no. Up Skeletons. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely really hated the way they used it. To be fair, because that, as I say, that piece of music represented so much for that character. There was no need to just put it in and go, "Hey, do you remember this? Do you remember it?" It's good, wasn't it? Do you remember that? And the thing is, what I, 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 I've, I've not actually said this before, and I've I wanted to say it. Like Dark Souls as a game plays fantastically, brilliant. It, it's probably one of the best playing Dark Souls games. The way the mechanics and the way the game actually plays, but the story and the way it's laid out, I think is absolute dog shit. I hated it, and. The, the reason was for me because you had Dark Souls one, you had your you had your really really nice story, and everyone knows that. And you had your Dark Souls two. See, I, I'm on the opposite end of the scale. Everyone hated what Dark Souls two did. I really liked it because they was kind of they had their own story, but they also because it was supposed to be how many thousands of years? Excuse me, 
thousands of years in the future, millions of years, whatever, how long it was, they do have small mentions of places and people from Dark Souls 1, but as kind of mythos, like, Mm -hmm. did those people exist? Oh, they kind of did. And that's what I feel would happen over a staggering of thousands of years. You kind of, they become part of the annals of history and you don't really know what's true. Oh, yeah, this once used to be called something else, but we're not too sure anymore. That's kind of feels natural. But then the next one's supposed to be further on. Then all of a sudden, everyone remembers everything that everyone seemed to have forgotten. And now loads of these people are actually turning up as well. It's like, why the fuck are you here? Why, why are you actually here? Like, why are you alive? What, Andre, what are you doing here, mate? No, no one's going to tell us. No one's going to tell us why you're here. Okay. Bye then. Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> It it almost just, felt kind of insulting to the player at that point. Like I felt like I was mm. being pandered to, and uh, this is something me and Gary talked about a lot on his episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I can't think of another Souls game like Demons, DS One, DS Two, Scholar, Bloodborne that really seemed to care about the player that much. Like it it really felt like the games were kind of player agnostic, if that makes sense. In other words, the game mm-hmm. is going to be the game. It's not concerned yes. with telling the player things or really letting the player mm-hmm. know things. It's kind of trusting the player to figure out a lot of stuff. Not to say that it doesn't like there's tutorial messages and things like that. Like there's inventory items that are obviously there for the player's benefit, but it didn't feel like those inventory items or those item descriptions were talking to me. Whereas Dark Souls three, I feel like a lot of the complaints about it, like especially with the callbacks, I feel like it's Dark Souls three, like looking at the camera and winking and kind of breaking that fourth wall. And it does it so much that I'm just kind of tired of it. It's like what it's like the worst parts of a Deadpool comic book. <laughs> like not the movie, but the the comic book seems to it will wear you out with that stuff a lot. I I really wish that it would just chill out with that stuff and just be a video game. Like I don't I don't need to be recognized. Like I spent my sixty dollars. You don't have to talk to me for the rest of the game. I promise. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely one hundred percent agree. It should have ju- the thing was I know why they did it because a lot of people were like, oh, Dark Souls 2 didn't really mention Dark Souls 1, blah, 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 blah. and the, a lot of the people did moan. So I don't think FromSoft can win really because they've done it one way and they people moaned and they've done it another way that people said they wanted them. We, we were like, no, we didn't want it that way. Just make the game <laughs> and let the world be there, but you don't have to be like, oh, look, here's Sigurd. He, he, he looks like Siegmeier. Oh, you remember him? Oy. Remember, oh, good times, eh? Good times. Yeah, it's it, it was a bit patronising, I think, to be honest. But the game would have been so much better without those silly, unneeded callbacks to Dark Souls 1. They don't need it. Just let that universe be the universe. Well, okay, everything's colliding in together. Time's crashing in on itself. Fine, but you don't have to have them. You could have been another blacksmith from the times <laughs> of the, the king of that world or, or the pilgrims or whatever. But I don't know, man. It's, I, I think they was just trying to do what they thought was right. Sure. Which is all you can do with yeah. a developer. And yeah. um, I'm going to be very interested in seeing uh, the, 
you know, the postmortem of this game. Like we've gotten that with almost every single game with the design works book so far. And, you know, they talked so openly and honestly about having to basically reboot everything in the middle of dark souls two, And which is the reason that, you know, that game came out the way it did. Like that's probably the reason that the graphics aren't as nice and that the lighting engine wasn't there and that maybe things were kind of felt a little disparate or whatever. Um, and I'm going to be real interested to see what, how, what the design process on dark souls three is just like, Mm. there's so many different ideas kind of competing for the limelight that especially when terms of like story implied, I just, I'm curious if there was like, if Miyazaki had a stranglehold on, on the story guy and was just like, this is what we're going to do. Or if it was like several people writing things and all trying to come together to the end, which sounds like impossible to ever manage. Yeah, it would be, it would be quite interesting to see. See, it's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. A lot of people like saying about Dark Souls Two. Sort of, the game itself was very different from Dark Souls One. Sort of the way it played and stuff, it was very different. But I, re- I really enjoyed the lore and the world of Dark Souls Two. I, I quite enjoyed it because it kind of re- reminded me again that the same thing, the same sort of things happening. Because obviously the repetitive nature, but it's not with the same people. Obviously, you had Vendrick this time, and he was another broken down worn down king who was just trying to do right by his people and trying to work out instead of the lighting of the fire that he was trying to work out a cure to being hollow and but he ended up becoming this worn broken down king like Gwyn did as well and it's i really enjoyed dark souls too <laughs> i really liked it <laughs> I, I i did i yeah I, I'm a Dark Souls 2 apologist but to, to be fair though i did come in at scholar i never did play that original version of the game and scholar is it is better but it's still not too different i don't think it's it's not as somebody that put several hundred hours into each it's the differences are significant but they aren't like i don't think that they make or break the game like it there's some yeah. things in the like when you started the dlc when they started releasing dlc for dark souls 2 and the vanilla version you would buy it and then you would load up your saved game and you literally just started with the dlc item in your inventory which is oh, really yeah yeah which is fine like that's that's a good way to handle that if you're buying extra content uh, but obviously in scholar like since that they're selling that as a whole complete package they could place those items with you know some thought process mm. behind it in the world so you find the key to iron keep to the iron keep dlc in a place where that would make sense to find in the bottom of a yeah. you know salamander pit or whatever and like I think I think it improves it in that way, and there's a there's a bunch of item descriptions that got updated to be made clearer. Uh, which, like I've read, I remember reading through a list of like 200 of those, <laughs> and it was like the old version <laughs> versus the new version, and there was some interesting stuff, like some clarification on giants and time periods and things like that, that helped you kind of put the pieces together in the lore and confirm things. But again they didn't dramatically change the gameplay. Like they didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like they didn't, they didn't, there wasn't all of a sudden, um, no. like 70 new weapons or, and like, uh, I don't, I don't even know what to like. It's like, there was a new class to start out with. Not that that really even matters in souls games. So. I, 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 I do like the whole scholar of the first scene though. I do like that. Obviously that they added him and the sort of parts of the story that he can bring in binding that world together a bit better but like uh, yeah i i am I, I quite enjoyed the law but yeah dark souls 3 meh it's a great game not a yeah it's a shame, it's a shame. <laughs> it really is and uh, and and the thing is like they done it like we knew it was happening they did exactly the same thing with the dlc with the painted worlds it was just like uh, 
You yeah. don't need yeah. to keep going back to these. And I'm sure they'll probably do it again with the next DLC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just dreading the, their, like, you know, Nartorius of the Not Abyss DLC, right? <laughs> like, where they just, like, kind of retread that same ground. And it's, like, that same fight and everything else. Like, I just... I, and they did that a little bit with this, you know, not Civ fight, and I, uh, it's yeah. not it's not my like, favorite thing in these games for sure. Nope, I was like, I even said I was like, this there best not be in Civ in this thing. I'll be so annoyed. <laughs> and there was a big wolf came down and beat me up, and it's it's there, it's on video on my YouTube, and it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> really? And I thought, oh, surely we won't have a fight like this as a boss, because but then there is obviously there is a secret boss spoilers if you haven't played the dlc people <laughs> like i like i always say if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yeah. played any of the dark souls go play all of the dark souls and then come back and listen to this podcast come back, yeah. <laughs> yeah if they announce well, that, dark that, souls that, that, 4 boss. i promise i'll drop dropping spoiler warnings but until then <laughs> you guys are on your own <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's the thing that that boss fight i was fighting him and two small wolves is like, all right and then it's like and then daddy comes like, oh fucking hell yeah. Really? Why do we have to have the big wolf? Why do we have to have the painted world? Is it necessary? Not at all. Not at all. That's the answer to that. Uh, but speaking of YouTube, uh, I want to get into a little bit about the the community of Souls games because obviously you started with Bloodborne and you went backwards. Um, a lot of people listening to this podcast have been following Souls for a long time and they kind of grew up alongside this weird and like hugely navel gazy community over youtube or reddit or what have you mm. i know you were listening to twin humanities i know you've listened to bonfireside chat like as far as podcasting things but as you started playing these games did you start reaching out for lore videos and for you know funny videos on youtube or more podcast or, or things like that like did you start plugging yourself into the community more and more uh yeah definitely with, with, the, with the podcast i was searching high and low for dark souls podcasts and there were, there's not many out there. There's not mm -hmm. many of them. No. Uh, basically, obviously, I picked up on the Twinning Manics boys, Bonfire Side Chat. Uh, at the time as well, there was a couple of Australian guys, Dark Souls 2. I was, I listened to them guys. They were, they were quite cool. It's a shame they stopped doing it. Their podcast was quite cool. And also, um, Dave Turner's from the Computer Game Show. He was doing Dark Calls, which I fucking love that show. That was so funny. I need but, to I need to get into that because I've heard a lot of people talk about how good Dark Calls is, and I just I just just never uh, have it on my radar. So yeah, the thing is, I don't know if you've ever listened to Dave Turner's on the Computer Game Show. He's he's from London himself. He's not far from me, and he just he's a fucking funny bastard. He's so hilarious. <laughs> but it basically, like obviously, the premise of that is. He's played it once and he kind of remembers it and his mate's playing it for the first time and his mate will play a bit and phone him up and they'll have a chat about it and it's just the banter between them a bit is so fucking funny. Oh, it's so funny. But his mate's not allowed to look on for any information or get any information from anyone apart from David who can't only can only just about remember a little bit of it. Oh, it's, it's a brilliant show. If you're into into your Dark Souls, it's it's a playthrough of Dark Souls one. Yeah, Dark Calls. Go go and listen to it. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's on Spong dot com. Oh, it's it's really really good, really fun. Um, but what other wise? What what other kind on. of places were you were you looking at? Like what, what other kind of stuff were you looking for during your your Dark Souls runs? 
it, to be honest, it was purely just 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 the podcast, and then obviously I started because I'm I'm a big story person. I started digging really hard into the law, and obviously that's when I started looking at sort of EMB, uh, Varty, <clears throat> Dave Klein, uh, a few of those people's uh, Terramantis, uh, who else? Uh, fung Fungi. Yeah, there's there's a few, quite a few people. I just started watching lots and lots and lots of law videos because I love, <laughs> well, I love story. I, I absolutely love story. So, uh, oh, I'm fighting cowboy as well. I like watching his his playthroughs as well. He's quite a funny chap. So, man, yeah. I thought I, I thought I went pretty deep on my dark story, my dark souls like celebrities. <laughs> but you you just named off people that I haven't heard of before that I'm gonna have to go seek out now. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have uh, a uh, like the talking about like lore in the story do you have a favorite mm. plot line or character that you like or that's something that you kind of connect with the most throughout any of the games oh, oh. it has to it has to be the stuff from bloodborne containing the um sort of the the elder gods that 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 main point because i am a huge hp lovecraft fan one of my favourite authors of all time, and I love that Lovecraftian stuff. So that that storyline of the, like the elder gods and going mad through the knowledge of, of of the elders, and that once again, I think that's one of the reasons why I think Bloodborne is my favourite because of there's so many points about that game that are me. You know, you got you got the gothic horror, you got got the lovecrafty and stuff you've got the the sort of the demonic dreams and worlds and it is 100 percent me and i yeah i just oh, man love that game <laughs> i'm, I'm kind of curious about um because i know like in, and i've said this before and i always apologize in advance of saying it but like dark souls has, as a video game has literally changed my life like I know people that I wouldn't have known before. Mm -hmm. I'm doing things like this podcast that I wouldn't have done before. Like, and it was all because of a dumb video game. Like, can you look yeah. back when you, for when you first started playing Bloodborne and, and see like a significant difference in your life from what you were doing then with video games and what you're doing now? Absolutely. Yeah. If it wasn't for Bloodborne, I wouldn't, as I say, I wouldn't know you, I wouldn't know Vader, I wouldn't know Josh, I wouldn't know the 20 Manities boys. A lot of you guys feel like family to me and I wouldn't have started Dark Insight. That podcast has given me something to lock into as a hobby because like my hobbies have sort of been on and off and that has become very important to me. And it's, it's also took me places as well. Like I wouldn't have ever been sort of invited to Sony to try out VR if I hadn't have done this podcast. Do you know what I mean? So that was mm -hmm. something really special for me. And obviously I'm hoping to get some press passes for a couple of games events that are coming up soon as well. That would have never have happened if it wasn't for Bloodborne. So yeah, my life in general it has changed a lot in video games. The only problem that these games have done to me is now a lot of video games pal in comparison to the Souls games games and i'm always judging games <laughs> on the level of bloodborne and dark souls which uh, has fucked a lot of games for me <laughs> i should consider renaming this podcast to just souls itis because it gets brought up every episode of somebody mm. says man i've never since i've been playing dark souls it just killed me for other video games like i have to go find something completely different <laughs> 
it's it, it becomes difficult. It really does because the thing is, these games are almost. I wouldn't say they were perfect, but they're everything works together so well. The stories, the mechanics. I think that's what it is that the, 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 no one does action RPG fighting mechanics like FromSoft. Their mechanics are so tight, so clean. It just every time in every way, every swing of the sword is just where, what it's meant to do. It does. And you don't get that with a lot of other stuff. It's, it's all, it's all purposeful. Whereas these others, you just spam me buttons, but this way, there's games that try to imitate it, but I don't think they ever fully get there. They come close, some of them, but I don't think anyone has managed it as of yet. I don't think. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because you know Demon Souls came out in two thousand nine. The, the whole series was pretty much popularized in twenty eleven with Dark Souls one, mm. and it, that's been five years since then, a little bit over five years now, and nobody has really come close. And you know, five years is a, is a pretty decent amount of time to develop a video game. So, like, add a couple of years for some you know executive to say, okay, yes, we'll give you money for this clone. And you know, Lords of the Fallen came out, but missed the mark so spectacularly for everybody except Richard from We're Not Wizards that you can't even like <laughs> consider it a Souls clone. Um and like other games have tried to capture mood and feel and things like that and I'm I'm kinda interested in, in those games, but nothing has really captured that experience. And I think the most successful game, and this is gonna sound silly, is Bloodborne. Like it's the game that captured the most essence out of those out of Dark Souls, but was not Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is why I, I don't ever want to see a, a Dark Souls four. And um I mean, I wouldn't. I would give up my dream of a, a Bloodborne too. Like, I just want more games in that vein. Though. Like, it doesn't have to have the name Bloodborne in it. Wh- where do you want to see from Software go with this series? See, this is or, this or is with their style it, of games. Excuse me. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a very very difficult thing for me to sort of think about, really, because obviously I know they're moving on to pastures greener, but that they're saying obviously they've got a couple of new IPs that they're working on, but they have one in a classic vein style of what we know. And they also have uh, their mech game as well. They've got that one that they're working on. I can't never remember. Armored Core, is it Armored Core? Armored Core, yeah. That's their like, yeah, yeah, yeah. mech airplane game or something. I don't yeah, understand. They, they're, they're, ba- yeah. <laughs> they're basically working on an Armored Core, a classic soul style game and two other things. So I don't know what they mean by classic soul style game. What they mean by that, possibly a Bloodborne too. But the only thing is, I felt that Bloodborne's story was complete. I don't think it needed to go anywhere else. But at the same time, I want more Bloodborne. <laughs> like I really, really <laughs> want more Bloodborne. But what I would like is maybe that that world but in a a different place or maybe if they was to take it back in time and we was being the first outbreak like living through the first outbreak as maybe Ludwig or something like that I don't know but I don't think they could go further in the future because I think that story is done I would say but I also would quite like to see them dig into something sort of maybe sci-fi I think that would be quite interesting, sort of not like your armor core, but sci-fi souls with like laser swords. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, it will be nice to see them do something different. To be fair, 
Yeah, I think they I, deserve that opportunity now. I'm just so tired of the flame and the dark. Yeah. And <laughs> all of that business. Like, oh my God, it just gets old after a while. Yeah. No, no I agree. Like, I think everyone's come to the point where we, we love souls, but I think everyone just is, wants to see from soft do something else. Like, like with Kojima and Metal Gear, he wanted to let that game go for so long and just like, please let me go and do something else. I know we don't know what the game is, but they've let him free and look what the crazy shit that's coming out of his head already. You know, if you just, if you, if you just unclip someone's wings, like the amount of artistry you could get out of someone is amazing. And I, I'm very looking forward to see what from soft can bring us that isn't souls. Now they are kind of free of it. They can just do what they want. It'll be really, really interesting to see. I think. Well, Cliff, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I, it's a little weird saying that since, you know, me and you talk like <laughs> once or twice a week now for Dark Insight. But um, even though I already know all of the answers, can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Of course. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter being mad at video games all the time at Cliff underscore Goldsmith. Uh, I was streaming. I'm really lazy. I don't bother anymore because I'm too damn lazy. <laughs> Uh, but you can get my YouTube, which is Decrepit Gaming, uh, same as my, my Twitch. I do stream every now and then, but yeah, I, I'm on Twitter every single day, so you can always find me there. So, And of course, you can get me at Darkin's Twitter podcast as well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you like Cliff and you like me and you like past guests <laughs> like Josh Crow and Morbid Beard and... <laughs> Uh, like most of my other guests have guested on Dark Insight at this point. So, uh, yeah, you can go listen, go to darkinsight.net for all of that. Uh, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. If you want to be on the show like Cliff, you just start your own podcast and invite me to host on it. Nope, I'm sorry. Uh, you send me an email at dguspodcast at gmail.com and we'll work out all of those details there. I put up uh, previews of the episodes on Instagram. So if you have an attention span that's incredibly short like mine and it can only handle 60 second podcast, that's the, your place to go for that. And in, I guess I will see you on the next episode. Thanks. And remember, don't give up, skeleton. Skeleton.